Hi, everyone. Welcome to In 16 Years. My name is Amy, and I was diagnosed with stage 4 endometriosis this year, finally, at 33 years old. I've had symptoms since I was 17, so I went 16 years without a diagnosis. During that time, I was struggling to figure out how to live with this illness that I didn't even know that I had. I was trying to figure out how to live my life, you know, how to hold a job, how to keep a friendship, how to graduate from university, how to find joy in my life in the face of chronic and debilitating pain. So I started this podcast because I wanted to be able to share my journey and hear from all of you out there and so that we could go ahead and, and support each other and try to learn how to live our best lives in spite of having this illness. But surprise, I'm not here alone. I am actually here with my friend Brittany. She will hopefully be in all the episodes because it's just more fun. Brittany is not an endo sister, but to me, she is like an honorary endo sister because she's my best friend. She's also my coworker. And Brittany has been with me through thick and thin on this journey to being diagnosed. And then I had two surgeries and I lost my ovary. There was a brief cancer scare. Brittany's just so awesome. So, Brittany, go ahead. I guess I'll let you talk. What an introduction. Yay, Brittany. Oh I feel like she's only going to give me 30 seconds. So I have to like cram it all in real quick. Um, my name is Brittany. You can have 45 seconds. Oh, wow. So generous. <laughs> Speed it up. Your okay. TikTok book so clock scared. is ticking. Okay. So like Amy said, we are best friends and I have been on this journey with her. I also have my own share of fun things my body does. <laughs> um, I've experienced really like heavy periods and, and heavy pain and stuff like that. So I... She Amy identifies. I, yes. Amy and I bonded over that at first was being like, oh, wow, we have similar experiences where we have dealt with things in not so fun situations. Basically, I could call <laughs> Brittany at any hour and, and be like, my cramps are raging. I think I'm dying. Or... Brittany, help. I'm stuck in the bathroom at work. I need an emergency driver. And no judgments, just, okay, I totally get it. And I'm, I'm there. coming. And I'm there for you. <laughs> yes. So that was our that was our first friendship. Imagine starting off a friendship on that foot. It was, Brittany it was just beautiful. gets it. That's what I, I, try. I say about Brittany. She just gets it. And that's just so, and it's so hard, right? Because it's, it feel like it's so hard for not all, but non-endo sufferers. It's, it can be really hard for them to understand the level of suffering that we can go through at times. But Brittany gets it. That should be your tagline. Brittany, I get it. Brittany, <laughs> she gets it. Well, what a glowing review. I should have you be my recommendation for like everything for the rest of my life. Absolutely. Add me to LinkedIn. <laughs> I think we'll go ahead. We'll just talk a little bit more about kind of who we are, diagnoses, and then, then kind of why we're doing this and the mission. So like I said, I'm Amy. I'm 33. I, I what? I I love Kung Fu Panda, so I bet you weren't <laughs> expecting that. Uh, I have stage four endo, okay, and they're like basically the same thing as mine. <laughs> go watch Kung Fu Panda. That's what I have to say. All of them. What else? I I really like polka dots, and I have a cat. She's so freaking cute. She's a kitten. No, she's not. She's one now. She's still a she's kitten. She's not a kitten. <laughs> All right. So. I also have fibromyalgia, and I have IBS, and I have interstitial cystitis. How about you, Brittany? Oh, how about me? What are all the things that are <laughs> wrong with you? Where do I begin? Well, Give when it to I us. was a fetus, and I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> um, the big thing that I first got diagnosed with when I was younger was celiac disease, and that was passed down from my family. Thanks, family. <laughs> so I've dealt with that a lot of my life. Along with that, I have some other food sensitivities, which Amy and I bonded over because we're very picky together. <laughs> Wait, you didn't say the things you love. The things I love, do my you, celiac disease, do you my food sensitivities. Do you love? Why can't I start with the negative and then work to the positive? Brittany, <laughs> do you love Kung Fu Panda? I pledge my undying love to Kung Fu Panda, <laughs> but I like Coco a little bit more. <laughs> That's a really good movie. It's a good movie. Okay. I cry every time I watch it. What else do you love? So, Give us two more things. Then also, go back to the... Oh, my gosh. She's so bossy. I also love... I am a little bossy. 
I love my puppy. Cute. She's not a puppy either. She's a dog now. She's, she's like 50 pounds. She's 15 months old and she's 50 pounds. She's a pit mix. She's really cute. So now back to the sad things. I also have heartburn, which is real fun. I have that a lot. And then, like I said before, I've experienced really heavy bleeding with lots of awful, fun displays of heavy bleeding along the way. Staining chairs. Yeah, pants, car seats, school seats. You know, it's fine. It's whatever. But black is a preferable color. Yes, that's like all my wardrobe. So, <laughs> so I also have pretty like solid period pain. It's not anything near what I've seen Amy go through or what I know other endosufferers experience. But from living around girls a lot, I do know that it's much more severe than what most people suffer with. So I also get to deal with that cherry on top of my beautiful. And we bonded over that as well. Yes. We bonded over a lot of things. (laughs) I think they can tell. (laughs) We actually have an answer for our period. I call my period the red dragon. And your period is like the baby brother of the red dragon. We call it Mushu. Exactly. <laughs> so then we only refer to our periods like not my period. So like red dragon is coming. It's like Mushu is bothering me. <laughs> red dragon is on the loose. Red dragon has landed. Red dragon is breathing fire in the intestines. <laughs> it's very accurate. So if you know much about Mushu, you can understand that he's not as powerful as red dragon, but he's annoying as all get out. So <laughs> he is bothersome, unpredictable, and obnoxious. And that's why mine's Mushu. <laughs> so good old Red Dragon has been in my life for 16 years, since I was 17 years old. And I've basically been having severe symptoms since I was 17. It has taken forever. I mean, literally forever, 16 years to be diagnosed. How long was it? 16 years? 16 years. I don't know if she said that enough. That's a long time. Is that why it's the name of the podcast? Quite possibly. (laughs) Yes. So it's a long time. I mean, that is 16 years of suffering. I'm talking about 16 years of pain, 16 years of periods with debilitating pain. That is so sad to me. It's sad that it's not only with such a long period of time, but it's sad that like my story is the story of thousands and thousands the struggle to be diagnosed and then the struggle to receive good treatment when we're diagnosed. And that's part of the reason for starting this podcast is to try to just get the word out there. Shed some light on the shady area. Endometriosis. (laughs) The good old red dragon. But aware. You should name yours if you haven't already. (laughs) But awareness and support for each other. I do want to mention that I finally found an experienced doctor who provides expert care. So I feel that having a doctor who's experienced in endo really is the key to getting proper diagnosis and treatment. And we're going to talk a little bit about this in future episodes, like how to find a doctor and things like that. But I did finally get diagnosed via surgery. And actually when I went in, so I found a specialist in excision surgery with endo. And we met. He said that based on my symptoms and the pain mapping exam, he thought that I had endometriosis. I went back in for the ultrasound to get more information. And, well, basically they found like a huge endometrioma on my ovary. It was like 12 by 8 by 5 centimeters, which is the size of my fist. It's enormous. So I wasn't diagnosed with endo yet. So they suspected it was endo and endometrioma, but they weren't sure. So I did some blood tests like CA-125 and um, another thing. They came back really highly elevated. So I actually got referred to a gynecological oncologist. I was nervous about the referral, but he turned out to be like after researching him, he was highly skilled, like really well recommended. He ended up doing the surgery. The reason why is because they at that point, they weren't sure if it was cancer or an endometrioma. So I did a surgery with the oncologist who had to remove the mass and my ovary along with it. Find my ovary. Peace out. <laughs> Red dragon strikes again. <laughs> it's like, take an ovary with him. <laughs> what do dragons eat? Gold? No, they hoard they gold. They hoard gold. They hoard gold. They eat people and sheep and they anything. Eat, and ovaries. Apparently. And clearly ovaries. <laughs> Just the, one, though. The left one. Yes. Well, apparently it's more common to have it on the left one than on the Well, right, then Red the dragon right prefers left ovaries. <laughs> So they did the surgery. I recovered. That was hard. And then we did the next surgery for the stage four endometriosis. And I had endo all over my everything, like 
everything was fused. literally <laughs> everything was it was everywhere you know it was all over my bowel everything was fused together with adhesions my bowel was fused to my back wall of my pelvis hence why the ibs is like so ridiculously bad it was just a fun time in there it's a party yeah it was pretty good <laughs> so that's my good old endo story and they were able to excise like 95% of the endo. So I'm actually feeling quite hopeful that it's really going to make an impact on my symptoms and lessen the pain. And I do already feel since the surgeries that I that I have less pain. So I feel hopeful. So far, so good. <laughs> Red dragon. I sleeps. He sleeps. I, oh, I like it. He's snoozing. <laughs> He's taking a little hibernation. Red right dragon now. meditates <laughs> about thinking about the right ovary. <laughs> When will I snack? Can I snatch? (laughs) No, probably not. I think it'll be. I I think he'll chill out for a while. I think it'll be okay. (laughs) So now we'll talk about where it all began. In the womb? We're starting there? Let's fast forward from the womb to 17 years old. Oh, well, you didn't specify. I didn't know. (laughs) Let's do the high school period. That's that's where I'm going with this. All right. Let's go when I actually like felt endo in my body. Okay, fine. Back then, I think it was really about good old menstrual cramps every single day, all the time, nonstop menstrual cramps. And what else? Oh, my a lot l- of nausea. <laughs> a lot of nausea. College was really hard because my nausea was really intense. And like if I had a class in the morning, I couldn't even make it to the class. And I had to talk to the professor about going to the afternoon class or actually like switching. And it was it was very complicated. My legs hurt nonstop for like seven years. It was forever. It was really hard to fall asleep. My legs hurt all the time. It was in pain all the time. Like pain was just all I could think about. Oh my God. And I almost forgot the chronic diarrhea. Oh, the best part. Yeah, that was the best part. The whole like incontinence, pooping myself, um, pooping in a plastic bag. Literally, I brought plastic bags with me everywhere because you're prepared i was <laughs> prepared <highly> to <laughs> traffic jam you know when you're like girl scouts and you get, get like your bag out like the sewing ribbon though amy got like poop preparedness <laughs> that was her badge as long as you <laughs> have and polite vomiting might i add <laughs> as, oh i was i was very good at vomiting in a bag too so my period came up but when i was leading up to my period i would begin to get really bad nausea and i would throw up and i also had the bag so that i could Literally, I could be walking and, like, pull the bag out of my purse and then puke and then just, like, crumple the bag and throw it away and keep walking. And someone actually, one of my friends actually told me, she was like, wow, you're a very organized puker. I was like, yeah, you know, got to keep it. I've had a practice. Got to keep it natural, <laughs> you know. It's fine. Let's keep going to the store. <laughs> oh, my God. So I had diarrhea. I'm not even kidding. I had diarrhea 25 times a day. I was in and out with those GI doctors, colonoscopies, barium swallow thingies. I mean, poop samples. That was gross, by the way. I'm sure you could supply plenty of them. (laughs) Poop sample. Overabundance of stool samples. (laughs) Only one vial? Oh, come on. Let me fill at least. I'm going to need at least four. (laughs) Have a little variety, okay? That way if the first test goes wrong, you got some back. (laughs) No, but really the main symptom, I mean, but it's part of like, yeah, the main symptom I would say, like of all the things that were going wrong, the diarrhea was very prominent in my life because, you know, if you can't hold your poop in, it's, it's. It's disruptive. At 20, I remember my first love in college. At 20, I remember having diarrhea 25 times a day. (laughs) What a joy. Your memories are gold. (laughs) It was very exciting. (laughs) Oh, I'm pretty sure because of the diarrhea, I had like chronic dehydration. I was very thin and I was very weak. And then I had really bad fatigue. Now, I think it was partly the endo and then partly having so much diarrhea and just not absorbing my food. And then I had kidney stones. I had like nine within a span of, I don't know, seven years or something. It was like a kidney stone a year. And that pain was still not as painful as my periods, which were my periods have always been completely debilitating. And, you know, miss school, miss work, call an ambulance, go to the ER, that kind of thing. Never found endo in all those years, but that's just the regular story. They wouldn't be very good at Where's Waldo, would they? Or I Spy. <laughs> it is. It's like, where's, Wa- where's Endo? I spy with my little eye spot. some blackened Endo spots on the colon. 
or white or, or white or, or clear flesh colored or blue <laughs> red rainbow can you have rainbow endo that'd be awesome <laughs> so back to the pain Segway. Back to the pain. <laughs> Segway. Back to Red Dragon's pain. The period cramps. Awful. Writhing on the floor. Puking. Awful. Screaming. Awful. Pooping daggers. Awful. During the period. Ouch. Not literal daggers. <laughs> no medicine helped my period. And I was absolutely terrified to get my period. I'm sure a lot of you listening probably identify with that. And that that's... That's just so, that is so sad to me that we have actual fear and trauma. I mean, my period was traumatic. Like, I was scared to death. And before it came, I would literally have, like, the dread and knots in my stomach and the anxiety and start to sweat and be like, oh, my God, no, that pain is coming. Just no, no, no. It was horrible. And I, I'm going to devote a lot of episodes to just talking about that kind of pain, like how to get through that pain. That pain is the worst. For me, that has been the worst part of this illness, to be honest, is getting through amounts of pain that make you vomit and scream. Yay! So fun. <laughs> what about you, Brittany? College was fun for you, well, too, right? Yeah, it wasn't quite as dramatic, but... Oh, I heard, I'm really dramatic because <laughs> I have endometriosis, and apparently that... Um, I'm, have hysteria? I'm a hysterical woman. Mm, I'm a really your head, dramatic, actually. anxious, hysterical woman. Yeah. That's where my symptoms stem from because it's 1850 hysteria (laughs) i'm hysterical i mean funny yes you're hysterically funny (laughs) so back to me since i have one minute whatever back to britney (laughs) jeez steal the show so as we joked before i had a nasty habit of leaving blood prints all over the place so when I started my period, I'd be like biometrics, was... right? Like instead of <laughs> having to blood put your print is that instead of having to put your fingerprint to get in whatever your iPhone, you just like here's my blood print, just bleed on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one day I could see that's terrifying. Oh this is some like God. Black Mirror episode right there. Oh my God. But so my started a little bit after I got my period. I think I got my period at like 15, and it was. Not pleasant, but as time went on, the end of high school and all through college, I had really heavy flow. And I mean, heavy flow. (laughs) I remember one specific time in college when I worked at a retail store and the uniform allowed us to wear khaki pants or black pants. Khaki pants. I bought one of each because I was naive (laughs) and hopeful. And I remember one day I was working in a certain area of the store, which you have to be really quick on your feet. And I bent over to pick something up, and that was mistake number one. Well, actually, mistake number two. Mistake number one was wearing khakis. But oh my god, you're in the khakis. Yes, I was in the khakis. Don't I bent over? Don't bend over. You never bend. I was naive and hopeful. You never bend over when the blood is that heavy. I had to pick up the item. Stay rigid, Brittany. (laughs) So I bent over on day four, which is usually when things like start to clear up. Nah, nah, not when I was in college. It was like heavy for seven days straight. Bent over on day four, and I felt the crake and release in my pants. <laughs> the unmistakable drip and roll. <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh, no. And so I, like, ran to the bathroom. And it wasn't just, like, a spot. Like, no, no, no. It dripped, like, all the way down the back of my leg. Like, that's it so looked awesome. like somebody had, like, hit me with a water balloon of blood. Like, that's how heavy my bleeding was. And so I was like, okay, this is fine. Everything's on fire and everything's horrible. But it's fine. This is fine. So I grabbed my backup black pair because I always brought them with me because I also was a prepared bleeder. <laughs> so we I were so them. prepared. If there yeah, had been like yeah. a national disaster, I mean, I feel like we could have sold emergency kits. Yes. Like, have them this in is car. what you put in your emergency kit, people. Okay, <laughs> Bags, pads, and pants. <laughs> so I changed and I had to like wash my entire like backside and legs in the bathroom sink, basically, to get the blood off. And that was fun. So I have lots of stories like that of, you know, just sneezes, bending over. Actually, the worst was getting in and out of beds, cars, chairs. Like when I would get out of a chair or out of my car, I would just like leave blood behind. It would just like come right out. Stop bending. I was getting out of a car. (laughs) Just for some reason, just that movement just didn't work. Getting out of seats, getting out of bed in the morning. I have to like squeeze my legs together and like run to the bathroom and like just like free bleed into the toilet. It was great. So. Now that this lovely, colorful story of me bleeding all over the place, I have pretty heavy. I, I just want to. I just want to say here that clearly, 
this podcast is gonna we're gonna some of you might talk be like, about vaginas a I lot. I can't believe you're talking about blood. Blood. I want to talk about what it's like to live with endo and heavy periods and pain and pooping yourself. Yeah, the stuff and that you feel like you can't talk about with other people. We're gonna talk about right here, and you can talk about yeah, it with us. That's what I want because it is so sad. We're laughing, right? Because like over the years, I'm just I'm like either I laugh or I cry. Mm-hmm. So now I, before I cried, I mean a million, a, lot of times. a million tears. My eyes were so puffy; they were like permanently puffy for like five years. People were like, "Where are your eyes?" I was like, "I don't know. I I'm in a tear pump. I can't see. <laughs> I might need. A, do I need an operation to like a put a hole in my blood. eyelid?" <laughs> wow. Well, that wow. <laughs> she went there. I can't laugh. I know I'm laughing, but I actually can't laugh because I just had the surgery a month ago and it hurts to laugh. I'm a terrible friend to have because Stop that's literally all I make her making do. Making me laugh. <laughs> it's hard to have a sense of humor and have a surgery, let me tell I you. I know, I know. But back to, what was I saying? That we- that We're talking about the real stuff. We wanna, This I, is real stuff. Yeah, I want to talk about, I want to talk about the real deal. And today we're laughing. Tomorrow maybe we're- Crying. Yeah, I mean, I don't- Crafting? Cry laughing? <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, I like it. <laughs> but yeah, so I hope, that this is like I hope that that you relate to this, yeah. And I and <laughs> that I hope experienced some of these things. Oh, I hope you haven't, but if you have, I hope that you're like, okay, I'm not alone in this world because you're not. That's the point. For me, it's really important to talk about the real deal, like the real feelings of living with this illness. Because for 16 years, I wasn't diagnosed. I had no idea what was going on. Hardly anyone believed in my symptoms. Like you know, the doctors they tested me nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. Your ovaries are shiny and perfect and whatever. I had no one in my corner. And now, okay, I am so happy because I had my Susan surgery. I have my endo specialist and he's in my corner. He is awesome. Like I have learned so much. And I literally in the past eight months, I have progressed so much in my healing. And I, I have hope again about feeling better. But you know what? For 16 years, I felt so alone. Because I didn't know that I had endo and I just had these like symptoms that were that seemed really random and, oh, this is normal. There's nothing wrong with you. I couldn't find the endo community. I couldn't find other people suffering with the same thing. Like that was really hard. And for 16 years, it was just it was me and my pain and trying to get through the day and my anger and my despair and my frustration and my hopelessness. It's been hard. You know, if you're listening and you're like, maybe you're nodding and you're just like, oh my God, yes, like it has been so hard and it's, it's so hard. We want to talk about how hard it is. We also want to laugh about it. We just, we want to give hope. I want this podcast to just, to be all the real, all the feelings. You know, we're going to give a lot of tips, but I'm also, I'm going to focus a lot on actual experiences. Yeah. And the support of that. Mm -hmm. And as you can probably already tell, we've been talking pretty real also about the physical side. In the physical symptom realm, I know that something specifically Amy and I went through was figuring out lifestyle choices. And we went through a lot of trial and error with finding out what triggers symptoms for us. Not together, because we just (laughs) met like three years ago. But together, separately. (laughs) But we both have had that similar experience of trying to figure out things that send our bodies into tailspins and things that don't. And I would say that that's something that's really hard for everybody, including both of us, because it's hard to live differently than the people around you or the people that you are with all the time. And for sure, it can make it really challenging and it can make it really hard to stick to. And I remember when I was in college, I ate like a college kid because that's what you're supposed to do in college, right? And that didn't work out well for me. (laughs) And I remember, you know, making food choices that kind of were off the wagon. That weren't in your best interest? No. I would eat something like pizza, which was not gluten-free, and it would cause and wreak a lot of havoc. My period that month would be horrendous. and. I kind of paid very physically for the poor choices that I made. Don't be hard on yourself, Brittany. Well, you know, it was hard. No, but I I mean, I get what you're saying, right? It's like, first, it's hard to figure out what the triggers, like what your triggers are. And then you're like, okay, I realize that insert X here. Like, I realize that pizza, pasta, staying up late, like 
chocolate, sugar, alcohol, coffee, <laughs> grapefruit, whatever. I realized that XYZ elemental P makes me sick. Mm-hmm. So I want to make a good choice in my best interest. I want to not do XYZ, but I'm a human. <laughs> pizza tastes so good. But every like my roommate stays up late, so it's hard for me to go to bed early. Like it's it is really hard to figure out what's a healthy healthy for you lifestyle mm-hmm. choice or dietary choice and then actually commit do it stick to it and yeah i know for me it, it took like until my early 20s for me to really like pinpoint okay all of these things like i need to do all of these things and oh my god there were like a like literally there were like a million things <laughs> and i was just living like a very typical standard like standard american diet and then i was like oh okay i need to cut this out and do this and and go to bed early and like sleep a certain way and do this and i mean it was a billion changes. And then it took three or four years more to really commit to following those changes. And embrace them. When you see like how it works out for you, I mean, since I've really committed to my food changes. I'm and, proud of you. And since then, like my periods have improved, not like incredibly, but they've improved to where I feel like I'm not staining things anymore, which is fantastic. I can corroborate that I have not seen any stains when Brittany took gets a lot up. to get here. Okay, but those kinds of things do help, and everybody's is different. Like the things that trigger Amy and the things that trigger me are completely different. That's true. So because you're like vegetarian, mm-hmm. vegan, yeah, and she's not, and, that's... and I'm paleo, mm-hmm. but without red meat and dairy and bacon and bacon. pork. <laughs> so it's different. But because everybody's body is different. But the point is, is that we had to find out those things and find out the things that really helped our body be optimal and helped manage our symptoms. <gasps> oh, my God. I just had an idea. What, what if you and you were born, you were born and there was a little checklist. It could be better. Here's like a, like the a, optimal diet for your yeah, body. Yeah, like it could be like a scroll. <laughs> That'd be great. A scroll. Made of papyrus <laughs> oh, or wow. papyra or like what? Wow. Is that what it's called? Yes, With papyrus. The, the ancient Egyptians. Yeah, used to write and hieroglyphics. Yeah. But we could read hieroglyphics. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm going, this is going real I'm deep going now. for it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, but no, you're born there and it's just, oh, the optimal food choices for your body is this. That'd the be optimal wonderful. bedtime, the optimal <laughs> amount of sleep. The optimal kind of exercise habits you should partake in. Instead of having to figure it out. Like, am I a yoga person or a rugby person? I could just know from birth. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be really nice. Definitely not a rugby person. Definitely a yoga person. <laughs> I know. Why, why did you even say rugby? Like, where'd that come it from? it sounded really fun. I wish I could do rugby. But don't bend down. No. <laughs> no. Oh I learned my lesson. No squatting. No bending. No wide legs during the period. I just don't. <laughs> but food choices helped. And sleep. And exercise. So lifestyle choices. And emotional health are two really big components of managing and living with symptoms. For me, I think something that, well, I've realized that my body like totally loves routine, like loves routine. And if I go to bed every day at the same time and I get up at the same time and I eat at the same time, like if I just give my body routine, it tends to respond really well. I actually get up at six o'clock every day to do yoga. If I don't want to do yoga, then I do qigong. It's kind of like tai chi, but you don't have to get on the yoga mat like you do it standing. They're both very slow exercises in your body. That might not sound very impressive. Well, I have to say getting up at 6 a.m. is pretty impressive. I mean, yeah. The birds usually aren't even up yet. I do not. I don't even like getting up at 6 a.m. In the wintertime, it's still dark out. I know. And I get up and then the cat is sleeping like on the bed and she's like in between my legs and I'm getting up and she's like, meow. Mommy, why are you getting up? I'm like, mommy has to do yoga. I'm so, my, I, I, no, mom. I'm a cat mommy. I love my cat. But I think everyone got that. <laughs> <laughs> Meow. She's so cute. Well, my point was, apart from she how. She was thinking about her cat I was, in that I was moment. Thinking, <laughs> apart from how impressive it is that I get up so freaking early. Okay. I, what, I, what I want to say is, yeah, sometimes making these lifestyle choices is really hard. I don't like to get up at 6. It also means I have to make sure I go to bed on time, which is by 10, which can be really difficult, especially when you have social relationships. You know, you want to stay up past 10 and you're like, oh, 9.30 people, I got to go home because it's my bedtime. She's Um, an old lady, but in a good way. (laughs) But you know know what? I remember being in college. I remember I had chronic fatigue so bad that I was – there were times when I was sleeping like 18 hours a day. I could barely get out of bed. I couldn't lift my book and go to class. 
just getting out of bed to go to the toilet, it was like running a marathon. It feels empowering when these choices that you make, when you actually see real progress in your health and you're able to live a better quality of life. And the same like what you said with the diet, it's like struggling with diet is so hard because especially everywhere you go around to, it's like there's all this temptation and just unhealthy food and it's just right there, you know, and Brittany follows a strict diet and then I follow a strict diet and it's just right, Brittany, it's like following such a strict diet in a culture I think of very unhealthy food and excess and availability the most available foods are not healthy everywhere foods. you go yeah. it's like going to the office donuts office party, and pizza and donuts and coffee cookies yeah. you know there's like there's no healthy it's hard to say no there's but no healthy food choices except for the vegetable platter who likes the vegetable platter nobody I don't want also, that also it comes with ranch dressing like come on ew, <laughs> ew. And, I mean I just sit in the corner and broccoli? during those things do I want gas? I mean, peppers. Do I want heartburn? <laughs> and inflammation? Come on. It hurts my body. But don't be ashamed if you say no to something. That's what I used to feel was a lot of embarrassment about saying no to things. But now I don't. I'm like, this is my choice to make my body awesome. I don't feel bad saying no to that pizza that they ordered for lunch. You're so I good don't at feel that. bad at saying no to the donut because I know it's not worth it. But it took 28 years. I'm 28. 28 years to get to that point because it's really hard to not cave to peer pressure and to not want to fit in with the group. We're going to do a whole episode about that, oh, right? Yeah, we are. Because that's a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big topic. Because eating is it's a challenge. So. And it's so integral to our everyday functioning. So it's a lot to talk about with that one. And I really want to say, first of all, like bravo to Amy because she is the healthiest person I know. And she really is. And second of all, she also inspires me to keep healthy and to stay on my chosen course. I think it's just really important to recognize that you have done so much work on all of those things. You have led things at work, like presentations about stress habits, managing them, health and wellness. People come to you at work asking you about how to get energy, how to quit coffee, how to be paleo, how to use recipes. Like, come into my room. I have plenty of supplements. (laughs) So it's just really awesome that you have not only made choices to be healthy, but you're actively always researching and learning about new ways to maintain your health. And that's really inspiring to me. Oh, (laughs) you're welcome. Well, thank you, Britt. That's really nice. Um, That's just very nice of you. And in the future episodes, I want I'm going to talk a lot about like the struggle because the way you make it sound, it's like, oh, she's walking on water with her health choices. But hey, it, no, <laughs> it's a it's a major it's a it is a battle and a struggle. I'm te- when I when that alarm goes off at 6 a.m., I'm not like, woohoo. I'm like, oh, God, no, <laughs> please. And, no, <laughs> you know, I have my moments like Amy I would, likes candy canes. I, like I candy just want to remember. I one like candy moment. canes. I, I would say I honestly I really I don't cheat because when I cheat I have like major endo flares and I learned it's just it's it's seriously not worth it because it, like if I cheat then I can't go to work. I'm that highly, doesn't mean there hasn't been times I'm, of temptation. I'm highly motivated to <laughs> stick on the path, but and I want to talk about this in the future. But yeah, I find like if I'm feeling kind of down emotionally, it's I feel more likely that I want to break my habits and routine and I'll call Brittany and be like I'm in the grocery store I really want salt and vinegar chips just tell me <laughs> no Brittany tell me now and she's like don't buy those but put they- them down <laughs> okay but what if they have salt and vinegar cashews and put chips one in a bag and then leave <laughs> just try one sample no don't try one sample then at the cashier I'll have like brain fog I'll be like what am I doing standing in line where am I am I wearing pants she once called me while she was on vacation begging me to let her eat a candy cane Brittany's like my, she's like my conscience or something. Like, do you want to have the worst period of your life next week? No, like right no. now, like 10 minutes after you eat it. Do you want to have fibro pain for 72 hours? Mm, no. Uh, probably. Hmm, let me, do I have diaper in my bag just in case I have diarrhea? So she's human. Um, she's awesome, but she's human. Yes. Super duper human, let me tell you. What really also... What has made me really frustrated over the years is I really do feel that I'm living the right choices for me. I have a healthy lifestyle. I meditate. I do yoga. Like I really follow my diet and I sleep. I mean, I'm really, really trying to 
Do everything you can. To do it all. Yeah. But you know what? Every single period, I am still in the trenches. And I mean the trenches. I would say like 10 days out of 28. My period comes like every 28 days. And if I am like stressed or if I go on vacation or something, it will come on like day 23, 25. It like loves to come early. Could you come later? Could you give me like more time without you? No. Oh, God, I have to come sooner. And it's really frustrating because over the years, I've really seen my day-to-day get so much better. I've been holding a full-time job since I was in my mid-20s. I couldn't do that in my early 20s because I was too sick. So it's like I've seen a lot of rewards from being really healthy, but I've I've never managed to rein the period. Oh, not the period. The red dragon. The red <laughs> dragon. Excuse <pain>. me. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> wow. I've, I've, I've literally, I've never been a- able to rein in the red dragon. And all of my periods since they first started, they have come with debilitating pain. And I would say in the last two years leading up to diagnosis, my periods absolutely consumed me. If I wasn't suffering from pain or from fatigue, I was recovering from it. My period, I mean, seriously, it it affected me almost all month long. It was like all my time either went to being sick or like trying to keep my life together, you know, like being sick or like trying to recover and feel good enough to be able to go to work or like go out with a friend or I would say in the last two years, I've had almost no social life. Living with these severe symptoms, I mean, like literally it almost broke me emotionally. And had like a little mini breakdown last year. And it was right at the time of Britney's wedding. Like Britney Which got she didn't come to. I was a bridesmaid too. I had the dress and, and she bought me the necklace and I had the I still I mean, cry about it every night, but it's fine. <laughs> I literally I I wrote Britney like two days before the wedding. Yeah, two days before my It was wedding. a really nice, heartfelt email. Well, I mean I couldn't call her because she was doing all the wedding stuff. So it was we work via email. Like we don't yeah, we don't I talk on the phone I, hardly no. ever. So we're always on G chat. So I just wrote I wrote I mean it was really nice. It wasn't just like I can't come, but it no. was just like I can't handle anything. I can't come. Okay, I'm sorry, hello. It didn't help that you scheduled your wedding on the day my period was coming. I should have known my whole life revolves around Amy. No, your whole life revolves around the Red Dragon, yes, Brittany. It's true, it's true. God forbid I wanted my wedding date to be near my parents' anniversary. I had to pick something where Red Dragon was coming. No, but Red Dragon literally was coming on that day. And he I, came actually the moment I walked down the aisle, no, Amy he, got Red Dragon. It was so funny because I texted Brittany and it was like Friday, like five Friday or something. 4, 4 p.m. for me. Literally, yeah, it was like Brittany was walking and I was just texting her like, Red Dragon is here. Yeah. And then after the wedding, I looked back at my phone and I was like, that was the moment I walked down the aisle. (laughs) So it wouldn't have been good for her up there at the altar, but it was still sad. It was really sad for her and was really sad for us. And obviously I still love her and I'm her friend, but there are things that you miss. Giant, enormous disappointment. Terrible, mean friend. And but there are things that you miss with endo and there are things that you can't partake in and there are things that you lose out on and they're heartbreaking. Like, that is heartbreaking, and it was really hard and really sad for us. And that's just one of those things that was unavoidable. For me, making the decision to not go to your wedding, it really tormented me afterwards. And that's something that I I feel I really struggle with, is trying to find peace with having this, like, with having this illness and having to miss out on things and having to go through that pain, right? Like, I think a lot of you listening, like, you know what pain I'm talking about. That crippling, unbearable endo pain. For me, that comes when I'm on my period. I mean, some of you might be feeling that all month long. And trying to get through the pain is just horrible. And then trying to accept that we have this pain that we have to survive, like, that we have to get through. Like, for me, trying to accept that I have pain every month like that. It's sometimes it feels like it's harder than actually living through the pain. For years, I didn't have much hope. And I struggled like literally daily with the anger that I felt towards my body, towards life, just towards this hand that that I was dealt. And over the years, I was making all these changes. And I would hear a lot of people speak really passionately about the changes that they were making to their health, to their lifestyle, diet, whatever. And they would talk about how they put their illnesses into remission. And I'm not talking about endo. I'm just talking about like whatever, like any illness, right? 
But you felt happy for them, but you also felt frustrated for yourself. Like, I'm doing all of those same things and nothing's happening for me. Yeah, that's the thing. It was like a double-edged sword. It's doesn't saying like, thank you for acknowledging like all the changes that I've made, but it never felt like enough. Like, Why it, isn't it enough? It never got rid of the pain. That was hard to fathom. I don't know. And then like sometimes I would just have to, I think it's like just have to remind myself the human body is, it's really complex. And disease is, is made up of so many factors, you know, and healing is made up of so many factors. There's no one size fits all to healing. And I mean, some people, because I listen to like a lot of podcasts about psychology and spirituality and stuff. And some people, you hear them talk and you know that they gave everything to their healing, right? And they still don't get better. And sometimes these people, they, they pass away. And again, I'm not talking about endo, like don't get scared. I'm talking about like people who with other illnesses, right? Or they have cancer or something and, and they're doing everything to try to heal. And, you know, and they end up passing away. And it just makes me wonder, like, why do some people die while others live? Why are some people in so much pain and other people aren't? And why do some people find an end to their pain and others have to suffer it daily? I'm going to get a little philosophical here, but ooh, ooh. Fancy. <laughs> changing tones, <laughs> hysterical to philosophical. You'll hear a lot more philosophy from us later. But I don't know. I mean, I guess like then I really try to think about it. Right. I'm like, OK, this this is the human story. This is what life is. And we may never know the reason why. I mean, we were born and then we have all these experiences like we laugh and we cry and we love and we get a really cute kitty cat. And we miss our best friend's wedding. We oh, fine. It's fine. <laughs> Let it go, Brittany. I wasn't even mad at her in the moment. She actually had to fly to where I was having the wedding, and all I emailed back to her because I was sobbing hysterically was, "Make sure you change your flight. It's free. I don't want you to lose your flight." I didn't know that. <laughs> That's how much I love Southwest. Her, so. Is awesome. <laughs> so by the, I was not mad at all. It's just I like to rub it in because why not? <laughs> Okay, back to philosophy. Oh, sorry. Okay, where was I? You get a cat, you miss your best son's wedding. You live, you laugh, you love, you suffer. You grow old, you smile, you cry, whatever. Like, you do all these things, right? And oh, you ruined it. Okay. But <laughs> I made it better. But the point but is, everybody's story is different. Yeah, we're all unique, right? And it's, it's hard to remember that when you're surrounded by people who everything looks, they don't look like they're, I mean, they're not in all this pain, right? And you're like, how's your period? They're like, my period, I don't even notice. And you're like, well, everything oh. looks good on the outside. We talk about like social media and how everybody posts the best version of themselves. And when we don't talk about what we're suffering with and we don't talk about what we're going through, nobody knows that they're not alone and that this human story is shared among <laughs> people. We should rename this podcast Suffer Radio. <laughs> Suffer Radio. <laughs> I'm just kidding, though, because this is a podcast full of hope. Yes, okay? we have hope. Hope and laughter. Hope and humor. Ooh. We're not renaming it again. Oh, come on. Okay, but anyways, the point is, like, I really struggle with the fact that life isn't fair. I really struggle with the fact because I, it's like I want life to be fair. Like, she still hasn't figured out that life's just not fair. <laughs> no, I know life isn't fair. I know, she knows. But it's hard to accept that and be okay with it. I don't know. I just feel like we grow up and it's like, life is fair. Ooh, it's Life is not fair. And having to realize that and not be a victim about it and change your mentality and be like, I accept. And that be life empowered by it rather than beaten down by it. And acceptance doesn't mean like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to live with it. No, I mean, as we heard, we're making changes, advocating for ourselves, empowering ourselves. But I mean, it's accepting like just not being angry anymore about it. I used to be very angry. It was very di- I was really different five years ago. I was like, I hate the world. Ah! But you know why? I mean, it's because sometimes, like sometimes the situation that we're in is so, it seems so impossible to get out of. Like, it seems like we're never going to move forward. And it feels so desperate. I remember times when I was younger, when there was one time when I pooped myself in a dressing room. Well, I managed to poop in a bag. I didn't actually poop on the floor, thank God. But like, I pooped in a bag in a dressing room. Can you imagine? I mean, there was another time when I was I was traveling in China and got a kidney stone. And I ended up having to go on the back of a donkey through this rural village to get to this really small clinic to try to get medical care. Let me repeat. Back of a donkey in rural China. 
It was rural, Brittany. There's no Ubers there, okay? I was like... Back of a donkey. I was like, hello, I'd like to get an Uber. And the donkey was like... <laughs> I couldn't think of the sound the donkey names. I got you. <laughs> yeah. Can you do the sound? Ow, it hurts to laugh. Surgery laugh. Surgery Ow, laughs. don't do that Surgery to me. Laughs. Can you make the sound of a donkey again? Yeah. <laughs> I'm really good. Cat says meow. Dog says woof. Donkey says meow. Wow, you are exceptionally. Cow goes moo. It's not literally. I can't. It hurts. Ow. Ow, my belly button. Ow. Surgery laughs are the worst. Stop it, Brittany. Sorry, you shouldn't have had me as a friend. I'm so And I was funny. being serious, okay? I was talking about my tragedies. Your traumas. <laughs> my heart Speaking start- of traumas, what about your ear trauma? <laughs> That was a good one. Oh. That's something worth being angry about. <laughs> okay. One time I had my period and I literally puked so hard that I burst my eardrum. Okay. I just want a golf clap for that one. <laughs> okay. Ow. Now it just hurts. Now I can't even laugh shallowly because I feel like I've defeated the muscle around my my oh, Your umbilical muscle. Now it hurts. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, no, but literally like I – like can you can you just – can you just imagine like some of the experiences? And I and I know you out there like you have similar trauma horror stories. I puked so hard, I burst my <laughs> eardrum, blood started coming out of my ear, and then the pain. It was like having my period in my head. That's awful. It was like I had my period in my uterus and I had my period in my brain. Double pain. <laughs> It was it was bad. ER, here I come, baby. Yeah, for sure. Oh my god. It's been hard. And actually it's amazing how much better you are comparatively. Like when you think about this experience living. If you think about those experiences that you've had, how ill you were and how much better health-wise and just day-to-day life-wise you are comparatively, that's astonishing. It feels like a miracle. I don't know. In this in this weird way, almost, I almost feel like I live a fuller life than I would have if all of if like if all of these horrible symptoms never happened to me. I think it's because in trying to accept these sixteen years of what has been absolute hell, I have had to really, really search for hope. And sometimes I mean really search for hope. <laughs> I have had to try to figure out how to live with chronic pain and how to live with at times what what is debilitating pain. If you're listening and you're like, yeah, I I identify with this kind of pain. It's like, you know, like, you know how mentally taxing it is to be in pain all the time. And then when that pain like takes it up a notch and you're writhing and screaming and like literally begging for the pain to stop, it's so it's deflating. It feels really hopeless. and. I don't know. It's just it's caused me to kind of turn to meditation and mindfulness and yoga and go on this spiritual journey. It just sounds weird, go on the spiritual journey. But like, I really don't like that kind of phrases, but Jesus popped out of my mouth. But all that yoga. But do you know what I mean? It's like it's just try to just try to find the other side to all the darkness and just reading all these books about your thought patterns and negativity and your attitude and I feel like I've changed a lot over these years, and I don't know. I I feel like I have this kind of maybe peace and spirituality that I wouldn't have found if I hadn't lived with so much pain. And it's this really weird juxtaposition that something, like actually something beautiful, could come out of something like so ugly. Like the red dragon, like he is not a beautiful dragon, you know. Like he is an ugly, he's hideous. He's an ugly dragon. Like one wing is bigger than the other, and his scales are. They're falling off and like all the spikes. All bedraggled and half chewed on. All the spikes are on. Like he really needs moisturizer, you know. So so he's a mess. He's like a cross between a crocodile and a dinosaur with crocosaurican. A crocodile dinosaur chicken. You're welcome. I like that. Oh, and he has that like thing that turkeys have. The gobble like, like that hanging Ew. neck thing. My dra- red dragon also, he has that. He's hideous. He is ugly. He's gross. Okay? Like, you leave him, you're like, oh, good lord. Get that thing away from me. And then they're saying, like, it's, it's so it's incredible that, that something good could come out of all of that. But, but something good did. So I know your dragons are probably really ugly, too. And if you have not named your endo, 
name it, name it. I, I really, it oh makes my. it so much better to talk about. Wait, you should name it and then you should write in on our Instagram. Yes. and Comment the name of your dragon, <laughs> what you've named it. Please, Please do it because it's it makes it so much funnier to deal with when you say to your friend, you're like, oh, my red dragon is here. Like, it's funnier. It makes it a little bit more you can also You can also have a red dragon, but it would be good if, if you wrote in a, like, original name. Yeah, it doesn't your... have to be a dragon. It could be a velociraptor. It could be anything you want. Just name it and tell it us what any, you name it. Any name that you want. Yes. We'd love to hear them. <laughs> but it can't be something. Well, I guess it could be happy. It can be whatever you want. Yes. It could be like. Whatever makes the, you laugh about it, name it that. <laughs> glitterly, 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 I was going to say glitterly aluminum paper. The glitterly alligator jaw. <laughs> the glitterly, glitter, gl- oh, now I'm saying it. Because the bite is hard. The <laughs> shimmery shark mouth. <laughs> so please tell us the names because it honestly, it just brings a tiny little drop of humor that is so needed when you're dealing with this pain. And we laugh about the names of ours all the time. So it's really worth it. We're in this together. I really want to form a community with this podcast. And yesterday I was thinking a lot and I was thinking right now, I have never felt so grateful and so sad at the same time. I am so grateful that I found my doctor, that I have a diagnosis, that I had excision surgery, that they were able to get 95% of the endo. Like, that I have hope now that my symptoms are going to lessen, that I'm going to feel better or, or somewhat better. But at the same time, I am so sad. I feel sad for that girl that I was when I was 17 years old and I had no idea what was going on and I was pooping myself and in pain all the time. And I feel sad for all, like, all of these things that I've gone through. And I feel sad knowing that this story is one of thousands of stories from you listening like here we are we have our own stories but we're sharing like we're sharing the same same struggle the same pain yeah the same frustration and helplessness at times that's all the same and we should talk to each other about it yeah let's learn from each other and support each other and continue to move forward together in each of our own respective journeys to healing So thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the first episode. We are waiting on social media. Endo names. Name your dragon. Comment them. Hashtag them. Add us. Like, seriously, we want to hear what you have to say and what creative things you come up with. We're on Instagram. We have the blog. Leave a comment. Get in touch with us. Thanks for listening to my story. And mine. And we hope to learn more about yours. Bye.